Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Blaming on the Aliens and Happy Spooktober. This episode is going to be Halloween themed with creepy encounters, glitches in the matrix, and let's not meet stories. And there will be more Halloween to come, but for now, enjoy these terrifying Halloween stories to get you in the mood for spooky season. Let's get into it. We moved around a lot when I was a kid due to my dad's work. At this particular time, we were staying with my uncle and cousins in New Jersey while my dad worked a brief outage. I had just turned 11. My sister had just turned nine. It was springtime and we used to play in the backyard a lot. The yards were fenced in with chain link fencing that was probably around four feet tall, so tall for us, but an adult could easily hop over it if they wanted to. I go out the door first, chatting to my sister, and come to an abrupt stop. There's someone standing in the yard next door or something. I wasn't quite sure. It was about 20 feet away and looked like a mannequin wearing blue coveralls and some sort of white mask. It was standing stock still and staring directly at us. Now... Keep in mind, I'm only 11, and at this point, 1991, pop culture is not as widespread as it is today. I knew there was a movie called Halloween, but nothing beyond the fact that my mom had seen it on its release and it had scared her and her girlfriends. It was something she laughed about in the retelling. My sister comes out the door behind me and stops as well. We stand there for a couple of seconds, trying to puzzle out what this thing is and why it's there. It's not moving, we're not moving, and everything has gone completely silent. Quietly, my sister leans and asks me, what is that? And I answer, I think it's a dressmaker's dummy. No sooner are the words out of my mouth than this thing lunges over the fence towards us. As we haven't gotten very far from the door, we both bolt inside in a panic, yelling for my mom. My mom comes running, and after hearing what was going on outside, storms out there to confront whoever this was, but the dude was gone. She calms us down, but we stay in to watch TV that afternoon instead of playing outside. As it turns out, it was the neighbor's teenage son. He would dress up like Michael Myers and stand in his yard or the windows of his house, staring at our house for hours. Why no one confronted him about this totally psychotic behavior, I have no idea. And to this day, I can remember walking outside and seeing him there, or seeing him in the windows looking out. All in all, I actually would like to meet him again, so I can ask him what the holy hell was wrong with him to scare two little girls like that. I'm sort of convinced he must have become a damn serial killer in real life because normal people do not act that way. On a side note, Halloween is one of my favorite horror movies now, and I am a horror movie fiend. This happened when I was a freshman in high school on Halloween night. My friends and I weren't quite at the point in high school where we would have any sort of Halloween party to go to, and we were too cool to go trick-or-treating, of course. We were a tight-knit group of five girls, and we had grown up together since we were babies and lived in a rural town outside of city limits. To set the scene, this is a very remote, woodsy area. One of my friends, let's call her T, her parents raised chickens and had about 50 acres filled with chicken houses, 
which we would explore on her four-wheeler after school often. The build-up to this night was filled with adrenaline and methodical planning. In our small town, one of the more thrill-seeking activities to do was what we called rolling yards. If you're not from a southern or rural area, this is basically throwing rolls of toilet paper up into trees so that streams of toilet paper hang down. Classic prank, rolling yards. Had a crush on a guy from class, rolling yards. Girl drama revenge, rolling yards. It's hard to explain the kind of adrenaline that you get sneaking down a rural two-lane road in the pitch black, turning down a long gravel driveway, threatening the group's lives if they make a sound. If you get caught, your parents find out, and maybe worse, you're stuck cleaning up the mess the next day. So my friends and I had decided the two weeks prior to this night that we were going to go on a Halloween rampage. And specifically, we were going to roll the creepy house right down the road from my friend T. This house had been a big scare story between my friends and I for years. We would go on afternoon walks after school and pass by it often. No one ever came in or out of the house, but... T's parents told us that a man lived there that was a bit of a creep. She gave a strict warning to stay away from the area. Looking back, T's mom worked in law enforcement and she probably had more sinister reasons for us to stay away than she told us at the time. The night would go as such. T's older sister, B, who was 17 at the time, would drive us to the local Walmart after T's mom and dad went to bed. B was the kind of older sister who was in on our shenanigans and thought it was fun to chaperone us when we were doing crazy things. All five of us loaded up into the backseat of B's car, piling on each other's laps, blaring our favorite 2000s hip-hop songs and flying down the two-lane curvy road. Scary thought in and of itself at this point in my life, but nothing happened, thank the Lord. We park in a near-empty parking lot of the store around 11.30 p.m. and made our way towards the toilet paper aisle, hyped up on pure adrenaline. We filled two shopping carts completely full of the 99-cent rolls of toilet paper, snickering to ourselves as the clerk eyed us suspiciously while checking us out. We ran, giddy, back to B's car, popped the trunk, and threw the loads of toilet paper into her trunk. On the way back towards T's town, out of city limits, we turned down the music to discuss the play-by-play of the attack. B would park down a dirt road that led to some cow pastures about a mile from the man's, we will call him Mr. S's, driveway to wait on us. The five of us would split up into teams, walking along the edge of the woods by the road quietly, in the event that a car would pass so that we could drop to the ground and hide. We filled our arms full of rolls of toilet paper and headed toward the long gravel driveway of Mr. S. The adrenaline practically beating out of my eardrums, the crickets in the background screeching in synchronicity. We make it about 10 yards from the entrance of the driveway and unload the toilet paper we had carried, then quietly made our way back towards B's trunk to get the next load of toilet paper. Once all the toilet paper was piled into our checkpoint location at the edge of the woods by the entrance, we each grabbed four rolls and went into the woods along each side of the gravel driveway to creep towards the house, all whispering to each other, shut up, shh, dude, shut up, we're gonna get caught if you don't stop, etc. We finally see the faint light coming from the side of the house by Mr. S's garage, and it was the most terrified I had ever been. Not only was the house 1,000% creepier in this moment than when we walked past it during the day, but the thought of getting caught by the man we were specifically told to stay away from was nauseating. T, the bravest and most rambunctious of the bunch, decides to make a beeline towards the garage while walking through the edge of the woods, and we watched her in pure shock. She stood near the woods, peeking out and motioned for us to make our move, confirming that no lights in the house were on and Mr. S was 99% likely asleep inside. 
I stood frozen, scared I would pee my pants if I moved, but was ushered along by another girl who pointed to a tall oak tree at the very front of Mr. S's house, which was the worst location imaginable. I decided my teammates were worth it, and I ripped open a pack of toilet paper and hurled it up towards the sky, towards the highest branch on the tree, watching the stream of white paper fly down and catch the wind. Soon, streams of white were falling out of every tree surrounding the house, and we were getting very cocky and even more fearless the longer we attacked. All of a sudden, my friend T stopped dead in her tracks and made a loud hush noise. I stopped, hiding behind a tree, my heart literally in my throat, as I now saw what looked like lights turning on from inside the house out of the corner of my eye. T then whisper yelled, run! And we dropped our remaining rolls of toilet paper and began running in the pitch black dark into the woods. Another girl in the group tripped and fell on a branch behind me and I turned to help her up when I heard it. Several gunshots rang loudly from near the house and Mr. S was yelling maniacally into the woods. You assholes think you're funny. Not so funny when I find you. We kept running, all crying, wheezing from the adrenaline and the speed in the night towards the entrance of the driveway. When we were about to reach the entrance, we heard something even worse than gunshots. The sound of a diesel truck engine coming down the gravel driveway slowly. We quickly went as deep into the woods as we could without notifying him we were hiding and stood silently with our hands over our mouths as not to make a sound. Mr. S stopped his truck about 30 yards away and turned off his engine. It was totally silent. I could see him from where I stood and he had a shotgun over his shoulder as he walked towards the opposite side of the driveway, clearly looking and listening intently. In that moment, I truly thought we were going to be found and killed. No one except for B knew where we were. Our parents were all asleep and she was a mile down the road, oblivious in her car. I was trying desperately not to cry and sniffle in the silence when I saw Mr. S's shadow raising his shotgun into the air and firing around. I began to feel faint, truly thinking I was about to pass out from fear when I see car lights just up the road from the driveway. Panicking, I wondered if the lights would illuminate us in the woods and give us away but the car seemed to slow down and I realized it was B. B rolled down her window and was talking loudly from her open car window, giving what I assumed were the police the address of Mr. S's house. This made him angry and he yelled and ran towards her car for a moment, but then backed away, cursing loudly and waving his gun into the air. As soon as Mr. S began driving his truck back down the driveway towards his house, we sprinted full speed towards B's car and got in. We were crying hysterically, unable to speak, sweat pouring down us. No one said a word. We cried all the way back to T's house, showered, and I could hear sniffles and crying all throughout the night into the morning. No one said a word about it to T or B's parents. No one even spoke about it amongst each other for years. We never went rolling again to say the least. What had begun as a childish prank turned out to be one of the most horrifying experiences of my teenage years. Because we lived in the middle of nowhere and we had technically been vandalizing somebody's yard, B told us about a week later that she had faked the call with 911. It's still shocking to think about. All I can say is we got lucky that night. Some angel somewhere was watching out for us. Looking back, B should have actually called 911, but we were naive kids who were more afraid of getting in trouble than realizing how at risk we were of being hurt or even killed. Mr. S, I don't know why you became so angry and violent seeing toilet paper in your trees, but I hope I never see you again.
This was a few years ago. Funny enough, it was on Halloween. A friend and I were driving around, really just passing time and enjoying the rich kid part of town, where they really try their hardest to show off their money by the number of decorations, fog machines, lights, sounds, music, the whole nine yards. As we drive down the street, we end up getting to a row of houses with the lights turned off. Not a single light, save for the moonlight and our car lights. That street was usually blacked out, with the exception of one house, an older man who would always go all out for every holiday. It was as creepy as it can be. Skeletons, a witch in the background, some odd chants and laughter. My friend saw that he had to take one candy bowl with full-sized candy bars, so he parks the car and gets out. I follow him past the mock graveyard and walk up to the bowl. As he reaches into it, bam, a little hand pops from it and makes him jump. He literally runs back to the car, and as I laugh, I grab a bar for myself and head back to the car when I realize something. Those chants and other noises are not from here. I let my friend know as I get in and we decide to drive further. He notes that there is a little graveyard that's open all night, so we decide to check it out. It takes a second to get there, but when we do, we can hear the chants better. And very faintly, we see some lights. We turn our own lights off and slowly drive up. As we enter, I get an odd feeling. Halloween night in a graveyard? This is how the movie starts. But we had a car and are big enough to take down a big guy or two, let alone a couple of emo kids trying to summon a demon or something. But as we finally see it, see them, a group of people wearing robes, dancing and chanting around a fire, and not just a little twig fire, no, firewood and logs, heavy dancing, five-foot-tall fire. The people around it were dark-skinned, with paint on the face of one older woman. As she chanted, she tossed something in the fire, and then, out of seemingly nowhere, she pulls out a chicken. It was either already dead or had just been killed. It was very limp, like it had no movement of its own. At the same time, we both just look at each other in shock, more so laughter than fear. And as we chuckled to ourselves, she turns her head as slowly as possible and stares at us. We had no clue if she knew or had the sixth sense, but she stared for at least 10 full seconds and then smiles at us and waves us over. My friend was in fuck this mode, he takes it out of park and goes to floor it. And nothing happens. Literally almost no noise, like the engine stalled or something. So yeah, this is where the movie says, based on a true story. One of the men with white paint on his face takes a look at us and waves us over also. Like he wants us to join them. But then the car finally wakes up and we get the fuck out of there not looking back a second. Crazy occultish people trying to rise the dead or whatever you were doing. Let's not meet. It was about 2006 and one night before Halloween. My family was having a huge party that night and the house was, I kid you not, littered with drunk adults in costumes. But that's not where the creepiness lies. The creepiness happened outside the house within the dark shadows of my neighborhood. It was late and everybody was partying, except for, of course, my older sister and I. My sister had some friends over and we were all goofing around online. 
Remember Omegle? Yeah, that's where we spent most of our time. Bored of being dumb online, we all decided to venture out down the block to the nearest 7-Eleven for some ice cream and soda, which we'd run out of at the house. Being conniving, we got our drunk family to allow us to walk down the street. For many reasons, that wasn't a good idea. We were all dressed up in our costumes, laughing our way down the blackened streets, and it was completely dark and empty out, save the shine of the moon. A few minutes into our walk, we noticed the street in front of us being lit up by the beams of headlights. A car was approaching, and it was approaching really slowly. We giggled it off, joking that it was a creep. Why joke about something true, though? Suddenly, the car had made a sharp turn, and it was coming straight for us. Our widened eyes lit up in the high beams, and we all took off running. Without thinking twice, we went as fast as we could and dove into some nearby bushes, trying hard to quiet our breathing. Through the bushes, we could see the slow, approaching lights of the car again. This time, we heard male voices coming from inside of the vehicle, whose windows were rolled down. Fuck, where'd they go? They were right there. Turn around, idiot. Keep looking. The car turned around, slowly creeping its way back down the street. We stayed hiding for what felt like forever before finally deciding to run back home, ditching the ice cream and soda plan. Miraculously, we all made it home in one piece and booked it back downstairs to the den, far away from any cars. They were probably just a group of guys trying to spook some kids, but the fact that we could have been abducted that Halloween Eve still stirs in me. I feel like the luckiest dumb kid ever. And I thought Omegle was scary. When I was 13, my best friend Lisa lived in a very rural woodsy area. There wasn't a lot to do, but it was a blast to explore in the fall. Maybe about a 15, 20-minute walk away, which was much shorter by golf cart, our primary means of travel before we could drive. There was this old rotting house that had been uninhabited since before either of us were born. My friend's mom knew the guy who used to live there, just an elderly man who passed away either by heart attack or old age or something completely not spooky. But the house was run down and filled with holes and had broken windows in a spooky basement and was never completely emptied out. So it was fun for us 13-year-olds to get into and explore. We would tell scary stories and try to find ghosts or whatever. So one day around Halloween, we take the golf cart and drive down to the house to do some exploring and creep ourselves out. We turned down the long driveway to the house and parked off to the side on the off chance if anybody came down the driveway, they wouldn't see us. We were trying to get all of our gear together. We'd often bring backpacks and cameras with us when we were exploring, when Lisa suddenly just stopped talking. I looked up to see what she was doing and realized she was staring at a guy standing in the doorway watching us. He looked maybe five or so years older than we were, pretty normal looking, but he was smiling. It's not like we had never seen other people at the house, the occasional other groups of teens rummaging through things, but this was the first time I remember feeling so uncomfortable. When he had both of our attention, he just calls out, there's a party in the basement. It's five bucks to get in. I was like, what the fuck? There were no cars around, no kids lingering outside, no noise, no indication that anybody else was there but us. Also, the basement was dark and trashed and smelled terrible. I had been in there before and there was absolutely no way a party would be fun or even feasible. Lisa said something along the lines of, that's fine, we were just leaving. And the guy responded, I was just kidding. It's free to get in. How old are you guys? I have no idea why, but Lisa got out of the cart and started walking toward the door. 
I was like, no, fuck that. I'm good right here. She looked like she was trying to see inside the door without getting too close, but he was leaning in the doorway. I was still sitting in the cart like, Lisa, hey, let's go. I'm super hungry, blah, blah, blah. Excuses to leave. Please get the hint, stupid. But they were both ignoring me. Then I noticed someone in the window, which was directly in front of the cart, not even trying to be discreet, with their finger to their lips like they were telling me to be quiet. Then the guy in the window, or girl, but I think it was a guy, starts dancing, I think. He was swaying and chomping his teeth, and it was the most unnerving fucking thing I've seen to this day. So I yelled, Lisa, I have to pee. We need to go or I'm leaving because I have to pee. And I guess she sensed my urgency because she stopped talking to the guy in the door who was honestly just making casual conversation at this point and walks back to the cart. She tells the guy, we'll be back in 15 minutes and he waved goodbye. Window person, by the way, stopped dancing when Lisa walked back to the cart and was now looking towards the door at his friend. I am happy to say that we arrived home safely, but... I freely admit that I was crying my eyes out trying to explain what I saw. I told her that I was never, ever, ever going back to that house again. More than likely, just two guys who were high and trying to scare some 13-year-old girls, but even so, you should not try to lure children into an abandoned house. So, creepy guys in the rundown shack, let's not meet again and work on your dancing. I'm British and I've lived in the USA for about five years. My family moved due to my father's work and all of our family still live back home in the UK. We go back and visit each year. And upon one of these visits about a year ago, we went to a theme park. I don't remember the name as I wasn't all that interested in going in the first place. It was dull, childish and raining. I was bored and had no interest in any of the rides and therefore had nothing to do. My younger sister and I wandered off on our own. I was 15 and she was 12 at the time. We were walking along one of those pathways through the theme park and there was no one around. There were very few people there that day, I assume due to weather. We came across one of the usual signs for the rides, large and to the side of the pathway with all the warnings against riding if pregnant, have a heart condition, etc. I can't for the life of me remember what the ride was called, but the sign was older than the others, and branches had grown over it and made it hard to notice. It did, however, inform us that the ride was in fact a maze. The entrance to the maze was hard to find also, despite the sign. It was a doorway of black wood coming out of the side of what looked like a mound of earth covered in foliage and trees. Upon going in, we realized that the maze had to be older than most of the other attractions due to the bad lighting and crappy decor. It was meant to be some sort of horror funhouse with trick mirrors that reveal a face that isn't yours if you get close enough and low ceilings to make you crouch and in some parts crawl. The whole point of the maze was to find your way out to one of two slides. And once we had reached the largest room we'd encountered so far, I was sure we'd be out soon. I felt awfully nervous in that place, and I'm not usually one to freak out over dim lighting and shitty homemade Halloween decorations. But something just made both of us really uncomfortable, and we both wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. We made our way through the largest room that was rather disturbingly decorated with false severed body parts and jarred organs. I remember thinking that this was a little bit much for a kiddie theme park. We came across what we believed to be the way out, a giant, badly sculpted monster into which mouth we were expected to crawl. I really did not want to go first I don't know why, but I just dreaded the darkness on the other side of that thing. However, my little sister insisted, more obviously afraid than I. 
It was as cramped and dark as I expected when I got through, though at least I could stand up. Immediately after the monster, we had to climb some stairs and found ourselves in a weird little plastic room, wet with rain that had leaked in. Sure enough, one of the slide entrances was there, and thanks to my usual luck, it was boarded up. My sister and I practically chased one another back down the pitch black staircase and back out the monster's mouth. There was only one more direction to try, and we eventually found our way to the other slide. The exit was as nondescript as the entrance, hidden away and overgrown. She and I made our way back to my family's chosen meeting point, pretty freaked out, yet unsure why exactly. At the time, it just seemed like a creepy maze, no big deal really, until my mother asked where we'd been and what we'd been on. She gave us the theme park map to show her and we couldn't find the ride. The theme park wasn't very big and this map showed the location of literally everything. Although a little creeped out, it again didn't seem like a big deal. The maze was older, maybe the map had been updated. We weren't far away and my youngest sister wanted to head that way anyway, so we decided to show my mom the maze. We definitely were back where the ride was. My sister and I were both completely sure of it. But the sign wasn't there, and upon closer inspection, neither was the entrance. We ran down the pathway trying to find the exit, but it wasn't there either. Everything else was exactly as it had been, but the ride and every trace of it was gone. Neither of us have an explanation, and both of us remember the same thing. I know this wasn't a dream, as my entire family remember that day out and my sister and I going off for that amount of time. I've always been able to see, sense things of a supernatural nature, but never to that extent, and never has someone else experienced it all with me in the exact same way and remembered all of the exact same things. This happened almost a decade ago when I was 13 years old. I remember my friend and I were excited about our first time trick-or-treating without our parents. We lived in a small town where nothing ever happens and we thought it would be the same that night. It started like any other Halloween night. We collected candy, ran into many of our classmates and had a lot of fun. At 8 p.m., we realized we had to head home, but on the way back, we dropped by our teacher's house. She wasn't home, and the street didn't have many street lights. To add to this, most of the houses had their lights turned off and their Halloween decorations were taken down. My friend and I were slightly spooked and disappointed by the lack of candy. We wanted to get out of the street as soon as possible. That's when a man emerged from under one of the few street lights. It was a police officer. Neither of us seemed to notice him before this, possibly due to the darkness. He startled us, but seemed very friendly. The cop introduced himself and pointed to an inconspicuous bungalow. He said an older man living in this house was inviting trick-or-treaters inside. Someone called the police, but when he arrived, no one was answering the door. He kept telling us, his police car and partner were just around the block. We looked around, but couldn't see them. I was a pretty paranoid kid. Growing up, my mom loved watching crime shows, and she'd always tell me tidbits of lessons. One of these was a story about fake cops. Although I don't remember the details, I remembered people can pretend to be police officers to gain trust. Throughout this whole exchange, I was terrified. His lack of badge, police car, and partner did not feel right. I was also conflicted because he was smiling and seemed like he just wanted to help. That was until we heard his strange request. He said he needed to speak to this potential predator and needed our help. 
Since we were young girls, the man would answer if we knocked. The officer claimed he would hide behind the bushes next to the front door. He would wait for him to invite us in, jump out and catch him red-handed. At that moment, I knew my friend felt the same way I did. We both fell silent, but one of us managed to ask if we could discuss. The cop said yes, but told us we had limited time. The street was silent and he could hear everything. I remember the feeling of wanting to say something, but fearing he would hear us and escalate the situation. We just stared at each other for what felt like forever. The cop was getting increasingly impatient and told us we had to decide quickly. Around that moment, a family came down the street and noticed the officer. They were coming over to see what was happening. And that's when the cop said he'd be right back and not to go anywhere. My friend and I scrambled to collect our thoughts and decided to run away. We sprinted out of the street and didn't look back. On our way home, we discussed theories that ranged from him being a fake cop, him playing a prank on us, or him being a real cop, but we misunderstood the situation. When we told our parents, we downplayed it a lot and doubted our experience. In the end, we didn't call the police, but our dads drove to the house in an area around the house. No cop cars or police officers were in sight. Over the years, I can say I regret not calling the police. At the time, my friend and I were convinced we misunderstood what had happened. We even told our class the next day and most, including our teacher, thought it was not alarming. Looking back, I find it extremely strange a police officer would put two children in such a potentially dangerous situation. Moreover, without our parents, I wonder what his motives were. But it will unfortunately remain unsolved. Two years ago, my boyfriend, our best guy friend, and myself all attended a Halloween party for a college we did not go to. We knew very few people at this party, and at the time of this event, they had all either left or passed out drunk. As most college parties do, people tend to get way too trashed way too early in the night. College kids do not live up to their partying reputation because as this story progresses, understand that everyone in this story is probably way too inhibited for their own good, aside from my boyfriend, friend, and I, who drink fairly often. The odd dynamic that probably escalated the situation is that my boyfriend and I don't really express PDA. And when I show up with other male friends of mine, people don't necessarily think I have a date at the party. However, I tend to be pretty standoffish to people I don't know and take pride in my disengaging attitude that I feel prevents creepy encounters. I am not an easy target. This story is about Muhammad, the host of this party. We arrive and find him outside sitting and talking with a girl. As we approach, she leaves him there. Muhammad tells us that he was just rejected by her. We pick him back up and give him the plenty of fish in the sea shtick and try not to let it dampen the party. Muhammad takes this as an invitation. Since that moment, he is taking every chance he can to put his arm across my shoulders, getting offended when I brush him off and following us from room to room. Muhammad is absolutely trashed before we even start drinking, so we're hyper-focused on his attempts. We are still trying to party, so every time he followed us, we would delicately leave the room, only for him to tag along, not for a few seconds later. Our suspicions are confirmed when we're gathering information on our beloved host, we find the girl who had rejected him earlier, and she tells us that she had never met him before. And before we had shown up, he had tried to kiss her and she was relieved when we interrupted. Other partygoers, when questioned about his behavior, simply said, oh, that's just Muhammad when he drinks. 
my boyfriend and I started kissing sloppily as a defense mechanism so that Muhammad knows that I am a lady who is spoken for. And I have a boyfriend who watches my back every time I go to the bathroom, so I would not be cornered. Muhammad is continuing to drink heavily, and my best guy friend leaves with his DD and leaves my boyfriend and I there. My boyfriend and I are still having a good time, but making plans to leave. We intend to drink the place dry before we go, just despite our rude host. We're assholes, we know. So he and I plant ourselves on the couch together with the bottle of Jamio. Cue Muhammad, stage left. He has a full cup of beer and can barely make words or stand upright. He points to my bottle, and I hesitate, giving it to him for obvious reasons. He gestures again, and I feign ignorance. Muhammad grabs the bottle of whiskey and dumps its remains into his beer hastily. He goes to take a satisfied slurp and spills half the contents into my lap. Party foul. When he realizes all the attention is on him, he stumbles away, and we decide that it is time to leave. In the calm of the storm, my boyfriend and I are in the basement alone, laughing and draining the keg set up there before we make our escape. Lo and behold, Muhammad stumbles down, barely coherent but looking for trouble. My boyfriend suggests we just make our way past up the stairs and leave, like we had been doing all night. Muhammad has other ideas. I step one foot on the stairs and his drunk asshat put his arm and shoulder across the front of my body to prevent me from leaving. Big no-no. My boyfriend and I have been the most easygoing, non-confrontational people all night and we have had enough. Dude, it's time to stop, is all my boyfriend said before Muhammad lunged at him and they began brawling. Muhammad, being the more physically inhibited one, is not landing any blows, but is too drunk to feel pain. So it takes a bit of struggling for my boyfriend and I to restrain him on the ground. I yell that he better fucking stay there until we leave. And we proceed up the stairs to inform his friends where he is. On the first floor of the house, trying to collect ourselves, Muhammad emerges from the basement and he is pissed. He is completely incoherent and no one can talk any sense into him. The scariest part about this was his eyes, completely bloodshot and void of any awareness, almost animal-like. He goes after my boyfriend and catches me in between them. So my boyfriend and I are trying desperately to fend him off together while all the sleepy drunks are waking up from the screaming from yours truly. I don't know how screaming would help, but I guess that's what I felt like doing. He finally subsides and my boyfriend and I fly out the door into the street, leaving the door open behind us. The weirdest part being that as we left, the other partygoers were yelling, dude, dude, what are you doing? And Muhammad says, I love her. The partiers remind him, you don't know her. So Muhammad, for your own sake, let's never meet. This happened about two years ago when I first started university. I went to a pretty nice school about an hour away from home. I've since dropped out, but really enjoyed my time there. Of course, when starting at a new school, you're bound to meet a few creepers, and this guy was no exception. During the first week of school, they get you acquainted to campus through freshman orientation. The first week is full of seminars regarding your major, giant meet and greets with people in your major path and huge parties held by the RAs of every dorm on campus. It's pretty popular among upperclassmen to say that you meet nearly 200 people your first week, but only stay friends with about 10. During this week, I met lots of new people from many different places. It was common to add one another on Facebook, so my friend list had noticeably expanded. Many of the people I'd met face-to-face through some of the campus activities, 
but others were people who were just trying to add the entire freshman class. I accepted friend requests blindly, assuming I had met most of the people who were adding me. I didn't think much of it at the time. After the excitement of being in a new place with new people had died down, I had narrowed down my 10 or so friends from the 200 faces I had just been overwhelmed with. We lived in dorms and quads that were closest to each other, so we spent a lot of time together. We often would meet up to get food with each other and party on the weekends. One day, when we had all met up to go to lunch, I was approached in the cafeteria by a semi-familiar face. He introduced himself as Will and said he recognized me from Facebook. He was clearly one of those many faces I had just added to my friends list without a second thought. I played nice and asked how he was, inquired about his major, and asked what dorm he lived in. He told me I should stop by sometime to say hello, but I only agreed to be nice and did not plan on actually visiting the stranger. After our brief conversation, I met back up with my friends and continued my day. After that, Will seemed to appear wherever I was. It started out as simple encounters, catching a glimpse of him in the library while I was studying, bumping into him at one of the food places on campus, and seeing him waiting in lecture halls before and after classes. All things that could be passed off as right place, right time. After a grueling exam one morning, I had nestled up in my comfy chair with a cup of coffee to wait for a friend of mine. Suddenly, Will approached me out of nowhere. He made himself comfortable next to me without my invitation and began to ask me odd questions. One of his questions was regarding whether or not I had any piercings, to which I replied that I did. The one that interested him the most was that I had my belly button pierced. He asked if he could see it, as well as my tattoo on my lower back. And I was thoroughly creeped out and did not oblige. I laughed it off as not to offend him and gave him the benefit of the doubt since he wasn't from the U.S. He then began to ask me if I had a boyfriend, where he went to school, and so on and so forth. I told him yes, and that my boyfriend at the time went to a state university about three hours away, but we kept in constant contact. He seemed disappointed to learn that I was taken, but his questions became more friendly after that. My friend I had been waiting for arrived shortly after, and the two of us left. Will mentioned something about seeing me on Facebook and laughed as we left. I began to tell my friends about our weird conversation and they agreed that he was a little on the creepy side. Will had started to show up everywhere I went without fail. At every sporting event, he was right in front of me, casting looks over his shoulder. Every time I was in a building on campus, he showed up minutes after I arrived and set himself up with a clear view of me. I had friends who lived in the same dorm as he did, and he always waited in the lobby on days when I came to visit. Despite how many times he tried to stop me to talk, I always waved casually and pretended I was busy and had somewhere to be. And then he started appearing on my Facebook. He started liking all of my pictures, but only ones of myself. He commented on all of them, telling me I looked pretty. This was attention I did not desire, considering I had a significant other at the time. He liked all of my updates, all the links I shared, every single thing I posted. He jumped right on the bandwagon with posts meant for my close friends. Nothing was safe from his awkward comments. This continued on into the fall when Halloween rolled around. One of the dorms most of my male friends lived in was having a Halloween party, and my roommate and I were invited. That night, we got prepared and took pictures of each other in our run-of-the-mill, this is the only costume I can really do given my resources. I constantly had my computer open and running and was surprised to see my Facebook message icon flashing. I had one message from Will. In it, he said I looked great in my cat costume and went so far as to call me Catwoman then asked if I would like an escort to the Halloween party at the dorm that night. 
Now, to put this into perspective, my dorm was on one end of the campus and his was on the other. The dorm where the party was being held was about a five-minute walk from mine, and his offer came off as very strange. I kindly declined, but he told me that he would see me there, Catwoman, with the winky face. I showed my roommate the messages, and she told me we didn't have to go. I wasn't going to let it ruin the fun we had in store, so we went anyway. When we arrived, I didn't catch a glimpse of Will. After a few minutes, I did see him come in through the front doors. Immediately, I ducked down and hid among my friends. A few of them laughed, but most of them knew that Will had been following me and jumped to my aid as they tried to shield me from his view. He was walking around the lobby, looking around frantically for something. Apparently, what he was looking for was me. After dodging him for several minutes, he finally found me and tried to casually chat me up. As if he hadn't just been stalking the party for me. He complimented my costume again and began to make remarks about my physical appearance. I quickly told him I was leaving, to which he offered to walk me home. Instead, I got an upperclassman to walk me back to my dorm, and I thanked him profusely. It was after that encounter that I decided it was time to remove Will from my Facebook. His comments had begun to annoy me, and I didn't know if he was using my Facebook to find me every time I left my dorm. I assumed that would be the last of it. A few days later, I was on my way to class when I noticed Will and a large group of people headed my way. They were all chatting, so I hoped he wouldn't notice me. After I squeezed past them on the path, a familiar voice called out to me. Hey, wait! I turned around to see Will, a stern look on his face. Why did you remove me on Facebook? I became extremely uncomfortable and my blood ran cold. I thought he would take the hint if he noticed at all, but confronting me about it in public was a whole new level of creepy. I took a stand, simply stating that he was creeping me out with his weird comments, and his constant appearing where I was. I told him I didn't want him in my life and turned to leave. That was when he roughly grabbed my arm and tried to turn me around to face him again. He claimed he just wanted to talk it out, but I was furious that he had grabbed me. I ripped my hand away and yelled at him to not touch me, drawing the attention of quite a few people passing by. I told him firmly that he needed to leave me alone or I would get the campus police involved. He shook his head and walked back to his group of friends. I only saw him a few more times after that. He would always glare at me when I managed to make eye contact with him. After I dropped out, I haven't seen or heard from him again. So, Will, let's not meet ever again. Halloween has, unfortunately, never been a big deal out here in Scotland. And that's always bummed me out because I love Halloween. But after this year, I think I'll be happy never celebrating it again. My street and the next street over have a lot of young kids who go out trick-or-treating. So while I was out shopping all day with my mom, we decided to pick up some sweets in case anybody came to our door. I had plans to go to the cinema to see Ouija with my boyfriend. So when I got home, I was getting myself ready to go out and my mom was busy putting the shopping away. So when the first load of kids came to the door, I was the one who had to answer it. There were children from our street, the next one over, and some I couldn't recognize as well as an adult at the end of the path. I guessed either a father or an older brother by their size and they were dressed all in black and had some sort of mask covering their face, but it wasn't anything I recognized from a movie or anything. Anyway, they all told me their jokes, and I gave them their treats, and they made their way back down the path and on to the next house. I was about to close the door when I noticed that the guy with the kids was still standing at the end of my path. He hadn't noticed, and he wasn't watching the children either. He was looking right at me, and my skin started to crawl when I realized that he was just staring at me. 
I backed slowly into the house and watched him as he raised his hand and waved very slowly at me. And I was about to call out to him when my mom came to the door to make sure I was okay. And he took off in the opposite way from the children. He hadn't been with them at all. And he left as soon as he realized that I wasn't home alone. I was completely freaked out and told my boyfriend all about it when he came to the house to pick me up. But I quickly forgot all about it when we were watching the movie. When I finally got home, it was getting really late and trick-or-treating was well and truly over around here. When I got inside, my mom was just getting ready to take the dogs out for a walk so that they could do their last-minute business and they would meet my dad on his way home from work. So I was going to be home alone. After my horrible encounter posted on here, I don't really like being home alone, but it's worse on Halloween and it always has been. Anyway, I was home alone and I grabbed some snacks and went up to my bedroom and onto my computer so that I could do some of my writing, scroll through Tumblr, and listen to music. After my first creepy encounter with the guys coming into my house and into my backyard, my dad bought a motion-censored light and attached it to the wall of our house right outside my window. Normally, it'll go off whenever a cat walks along our fence, but... It usually goes off after a couple of minutes. I always know when the light has come on because it lights up my whole room given where it's placed. And while I was sitting at my computer, the light came on. I ignored it at first because I knew that it would go off soon, but five minutes passed and it still hadn't gone off. So I opened my blinds to have a look outside and see what was going on. My stomach almost fell out of my ass when I looked out and saw the creep from hours before sitting on the fence, waving at my window to keep the light on. His waving slowed down suddenly when he spotted me, and it was all seriously creepy again, and I didn't know what to do. I just got flashbacks from before. Luckily, I heard the front door open and my parents coming into the house with the dog, so I rushed down the stairs and started screaming at them about the guy on the fence. My dad didn't question me. He just took the dogs and rushed through the house, threw the back door open, and ran outside. And then I heard him shouting, Get the fuck out of here, you creep! I'm going to phone the police! Dad scared him off, but I convinced him not to call the police because I didn't want to relive the whole thing again. I just wanted to go to sleep and forget about the whole night. So, to the creepy guy in the mask waving at me from the end of my path and sitting on my fence, let's not meet. Thank you guys so much for listening to this Halloween spooky themed episode. Hope it got you in the mood. It definitely got me in the mood for spooky season. And I wanted to give a special shout out to one of the newer channels that I've discovered, who is also a listener of the show over on YouTube. And their channel is called Curiosity Jamboree. If you love my show, you will 100% fall in love with their YouTube channel. Premium content, they do the same type of stories, creepy encounters, no sleep, let's not meet, things like that. But they have the voice of an angel and I cannot get enough of it. So definitely go check their channel out. You will not be disappointed. Trust me, I'm obsessed with their channel and this is not sponsored, but I am really enjoying their content. So I definitely wanted to share that. I will also link their channel in the description. You can scroll down, click it and subscribe and give it a listen. And I will be back next week with another spooky episode. In the meantime, if you have not already hit the follow, subscribe, or the notification bell on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening, definitely do so. It will give you updates about my newest releases and you won't miss anything. And also, if you have not rated me five stars, I would greatly appreciate that. And it makes the world difference. So with that being said... I hope you enjoy your night and I'll be back next week.